Welcome back to To The Point, the Latin American Programs podcast here at the Wilson Center. Well, not at the Wilson Center at the moment. At the moment, I'm in my house, in our nursery, which is my temporary office whenever the baby is not napping. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. Today, I'm here with Nicolas Saldias. He's our senior researcher in the Latin American program. He's just back from Montevideo. Nicolas, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Nicolas, the latest figures I've seen from the World Health Organization put the number of coronavirus cases in Uruguay at 217. There have been no recorded deaths so far. You were there a few days ago. What did life look like in Uruguay in the age of the coronavirus? I was in Montevideo. I walked along the Rambla, full of joggers, full of people walking around. There wasn't a palatable sense of panic in the country. You know, while the coronavirus is beginning to show up in Argentina and Brazil and Chile, Uruguay didn't have any cases. And so there was a sense of normalcy, but a bit of trepidation. And slowly the cases began to accumulate in Uruguay. And that's when people began to take this a bit more seriously. But even today, I would say that the sensation from what I'm getting from people on the ground is that there isn't a palatable sense of panic in the country. There isn't a kind of widespread quarantine that you see in Argentina. So I would say that Uruguayans are taking this a bit more in stride than other countries in the region. Nicolas, they're taking it in stride. Is that because of some of the advantages Uruguay has in terms of managing this public health challenge? I'm speaking of, you know, more favorable density. It's, it's not as populated as some of its neighboring countries and also fairly decent public health infrastructure. Yes, Uruguay is a country with only 3.5 million people. The densest city is Montevideo, and even by international standards, I imagine it's not very dense. The other thing is that the country has very low levels of poverty. I think that's a major advantage. Uh, you know, after 10, 15 years of the Frente Amplio, they left the country with a favorable legacy on social indicators. The country, according to official statistics, for example, has no extreme poverty. So the country, in terms of its epidemiological premises, is much better positioned than a country like Argentina, which has 40% poverty, or Brazil, which has extensive favelas, for example. The low-income Uruguayans do also live in informal housing, but they're more spread out. They're not as dense as places in the Conurbano de Buenos Aires or the favelas in Brazil. So I think the ability of the government to at least contain this is better. Also, Uruguay has a number of overlapping health institutions, a lot of very excellent private hospitals, and a more or less competent public service. So everyone in Uruguay is already covered. And so I think there you see a lot of overlap and a lot of potential efficiencies that can be that can be found. That's right. And also fewer informal workers who are, you know, more difficult to dissuade from going into work. They would lose their wages, of course, um, and, and more difficult to deliver social services too. But listen, I mean, the impacts in Uruguay are being felt certainly economically. The latest projections I saw from City. Um, looks at a negative growth this year of about 0.2 percent um, after initial going in expectations for the year pre-coronavirus were for growth in the first year of Uruguay's new government. Can you just tell me a bit about Uruguay's going in conditions and whether it's well positioned to provide the kind of fiscal stimulus and the kind of uh, countercyclical monetary policies that we're seeing deployed around the world, not to mention in the United States with a $2 trillion stimulus measure recently approved? So Uruguay's economy was growing very slowly. Uh, last year, it barely grew. I think it was 0.4%. Uh, 
This year, the projections you articulate are early projections. It's almost certainly the case that the country's GDP will decline even further than that. I've seen estimates closer to 3%, minus 3%. That being said, Uruguay is well positioned, relatively speaking. It has a large investment of a pulp and paper plant, which is going to inject billions of dollars into the economy. Uh, the country is decoupled successfully from Argentina, for example, and to a lesser extent, Brazil. So the country has at least a more diversified export uh, matrix that can help it uh, weather the storm better. The other thing is that the country has investment grade, which allows it to access credit at favorable terms. It has very large foreign exchange reserves that it can tap into should it need to. And it just got a $1.5 billion uh, line of credit from uh, international financial organizations, minus the IMF. Uh, but Uruguay has a good standing with creditors, a good standing with multilaterals. And so I think the, the country will be able to weather the storm better than many other countries in Latin America. Nicolas Saldias, senior researcher at the Wilson Center's Latin American program, recently back from Montevideo, Uruguay, sharing with us on the ground insights into how the coronavirus is affecting life and the economy in Uruguay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.